Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Okay, so before I introduce my guests, I want to tell you guys a few things that I've been watching this week. I finished Search Party season four on HBO Max, and it's great. It's such a good series. I mean, each season is definitely different. I would say season four is really different. So you kind of have to go with the flow um, in terms of tone. And it, it, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It goes off the rails a little bit, in my opinion, but it still gets you. And then like it all comes together at the end. So I do recommend it. I watched a documentary called Some Kind of Heaven. That's uh, you have to rent it. I, I don't know if I would recommend it. I mean, it, it's well done. Um, it's really depressing. I, for some reason, I thought it was going to be really funny and kind of like a waiting for Guffman uh, sort of tone, which does have, but without the humor. I just found it kind of depressing, even though I think it was well made. It's about a retirement community in Florida called The Villages. And it's kind of like a peek behind the curtain of their lives of some, you know, he picked a few subjects and I don't know, it just depressed me, but you know, I'm always glad that I watched something that's, that's well-made at, at any rate. And then lastly, I highly recommend the Wendy Williams doc, two hour doc on lifetime. Love, love, love. I mean, you have to love Wendy, which I do. Um, and my friend, uh, Brie Miranda Bryant from lifetime shepherded the whole thing through If you're friends with her on Facebook, you can see her post where she kind of gives the whole backstory, which is great. I really thought it was quite illuminating and and really open and raw. I loved it. I watched the biopic as well, uh, which was it was good. I mean, the woman who did it was was the woman who played Wendy was good, but there's nothing like the real Wendy. So I highly recommend you can watch that. I believe um, on demand. So today on the podcast, I've got a trio of development executives who go way back. So. Brace yourself. This is a long intro because I, they all are very credentialed and I have to dig into to their backgrounds a little bit because we don't really get in so much to their backgrounds because we had so much else to discuss. So these three, they all sell shows for competing companies, but they have strong friendships and they really rely on each other as sounding boards and support systems, which, you know, in this business is a great thing and, is, and can sometimes be rare. So first up, Matt Shamfield. He has been the executive vice president of development at the Intellectual Property Corporation, which is known as IPC since 2018. So while he's been at IPC, Matt's developed and shepherded hit series such as Indian Matchmaking, which uh, is on Netflix, Night Stalker, The Hunt for a Serial Killer, also on Netflix. I think it was the number one show on Netflix a couple weekends ago. It's really good. Um, Selena and Chef on HBO Max, which he sold during COVID. And the much anticipated D'Amelio show um, with Charlie D'Amelio, the TikTok star and her family, which is going to be on Hulu this summer. Many other shows, too many to name. So Matt joined IPC a few years ago. He used to be where I met him. He was running development for Asylum Entertainment. And then before that, he was on the network side um, in development at Oxygen. So uh, Tom Huffman is executive vice president of original content at Pilgrim Media Group. He's been there since July 2019. Uh, since he's been there, he sold a big competition show um, with David Dobrik to Discovery called Dodgeball Thunderdome. And he's got a big show internationally with Mike Tyson fighting a shark, which we didn't get to ask about, but I'm now really curious about it. <laughs> Before Pilgrim, 
Tom was SVP at Tribune Media, where he oversaw unscripted programming for WGN America and Tribune Broadcasting. He was also at VH1 on the development side, and he was really best known for selling VH1 a hit show called Basketball Wives, which he created with Shawnee O'Neill when he was at Shed. And lastly, Michelle Byers. She is vice president of Unscripted at ITV, and you probably know them for big shows like Love Island on CBS, Queer Eye on Netflix, The Chase on ABC, and Hell's Kitchen on Fox. Michelle's fairly new to the selling side. She spent eight years at Turner in Unscripted, and she was part of the core team at TBS that relaunched the network's Unscripted business with Drop the Mic, uh, Snoop Dogg Presents the Joker's Wild, The Misery Index, and The Hot Ones, The Game Show. Sorry, is it The Hot Ones? I think it's just Hot Ones. Okay, I want to get that right. So we really covered the gamut. It's a long podcast. I hope you listened to the whole thing. It was really fun. We talked about what the trends are for shows and for selling now, what's the best way to get a, a show sold straight to series, how they pitch in a pandemic on Zoom. We even get into some of our favorite network executives in the business. We talk about real screen. Is it a good place to sell shows or not? We really, we get into a lot. So I hope you enjoy it. And um, this is Tom, Michelle, and Matt. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Hey. <laughs> hey. All right. Have you ever so, had, wait, have you had three people on yeah, this? Yeah, I've had four. Oh, man. This is nothing. This is nothing. So, okay. So I always uh, start the podcast saying how I know my guests. So we'll quickly go around because I really want to get into how you guys all know each other. So Matt, you and I met about three years ago uh, when you were at Asylum um, in your office. I remember that well. And then Tom, you and I met, I don't know, probably six or seven years ago, right? I think I'm the OG on this call, actually. You're Um, the OG. We did a very ambitious project. Uh, my bosses at Tribune told me that they wanted to do projects that would scare advertisers. And then you came in with a show about preschoolers, or no, uh, seven-year-olds. They who were not preschoolers. Do, do MMA. Uh, <laughs> and, and we did a, a, a terrific pilot. We did. Wait. And you, you were a good network executive. I can give you props. Very so wait, you it was, good it notes was... and not too many. That's like now a mop. You know that, right? Like little kids who fight. We were ahead of our time. We were ahead of the game, buddy. People were scared shitless of this tape. I'm telling you. Like, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. And Michelle, you and I are just meeting. So we're just meet you. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. I'm happy you're here. It's the first time Tom and I are meeting her, too. Yeah, right. Okay, so (laughs) let's just get the quick background on how everybody knows each other. Um, I, I guess I can do this up. I, yeah. so I worked at, uh, I, I worked at Mark Burnett, um, back in 2006, I started there, uh, as the assistant to Roy bank. Um, and then <laughs> Michelle Byers came on, uh, as the assistant to Jim Roush in 2007, in, in 2007. Uh, so I was kind of like, you know, the, uh, at, at that point I was the, the head assistant, you know, I'd been there, I, I knew the hallways. And so Byers came in, we became good friends. Uh, and then we, uh, I think Roy left the company to go to Merck Griffin. David Eilenberg became the head of the department and hired Matt Shanfield. So Tom gets promoted to like manager of development. I'm a mailroom WMA guy and Amir Shakalili puts me in touch with Tom and Tom and I immediately realized we have a bunch of people in common that we know we like, yeah, we were both like kind of grew up in Southern California. And I was like, I like this guy a lot. But Dave was kind of the boss and I get hired in 2008. So Tom's 06, Michelle's 07. 
I was 08 and the three of us started working together for the first time. And then uh, after that, uh, I went over to Shed Media in 2009 Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually, the first hire that I made, I, I was uh, head of development at Shed Media um, under Jen O'Connell and Nick Emerson, and I uh, hired Matt Chanfield. So yes. Matt and I had a very successful run together, had a great time. He's a poach. Uh, Tom, Tom, like, you know, he had an anti-poaching clause in his contract. At the first <laughs> first thing, yep. yep. Um, and then, uh, God, Michelle, uh, uh, I well, I guess we never worked together again. She went on the network side. Yeah. She followed Dave Eilenberg, though. So it's it's like uh, us four, including Dave, we've kind of stayed together for a really long time. So I I did the math. I did the math. So us three, I actually wrote this down. So we have all hired each other. We've all bought shows from each other. We've all had to sell shows to each other. We've had to like pass on a lot of shows to each other. And we've all worked together on certain shows and we've worked together in development. So I don't know. I don't know what else there is to do uh, for us three. I feel like we've experienced like every department in the business. We've like been in edit bays before. We've been in the field before. Tom and I have had to be in some like really awful parts of the country together uh, (laughs) on some like very terrible cable presentations that we had to go do. Um, and I don't know. We've also got to like, I I've always felt like I've gotten more nervous pitching to you guys when you guys were on the, you know, when you guys were, um, were network execs just because we're friends and it's weird. And like, you know, I, in a weird way, I like find it easier to pitch to people that you're not friends with than people that you actually are. Do you guys agree with that? Did you have the same experience? Oh, well, I never had to pitch to either of them because he worked at oxygen and he worked at WGN. And I was, I was on the buying side for eight years. So after, cause after Burnett, when I was there with the two of them and Matt and I shared an office that was the size of like a bathroom closet for like three weeks, I quit and moved to the East coast and went on tour for a year. And then I came back She's and wait, what? Uh, my boyfriend was in a band at the time. So I like left and came back. And then I was on Dave Eilenberg's desk as his coordinator. So I basically replaced Matt Shanfield when Tom took him. And then I worked for Dave for a couple more years at Burnett. Um, and then I quit again and I went into marketing at AT&T Uverse, which was like the worst job ever. And then I, like a couple months after I took that job, I called Dave and was like, Hey, I hate this. I like, if you hear of anything, let me know. And then he called me like six months later saying he was, going to be leaving, taking a new gig, going to the network side. And if I wanted to come work for him and set him up over there. And so I started his assistant and then he left me after three years to take the gig at ITV. I stayed, worked for Michael Bloom and then got up to senior director. And then when I was growing tired of being on the network side and wanting a change and all that kind of stuff, I called Dave to help me with gigs and everything. And then in the middle of that, we started talking about me coming and working for ITV. And then I ended up back there. That's where I yeah. met you when you were at TNT TBS with Bloom. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now it was going to yeah. drive me crazy. And like, I know I've met yeah. you in person before. Yeah. So did you ever buy a show from Matt? We, no, she did. No, she did we, buy one show from me and then it got immediate. It got, we, we, we closed the deal. Brett White's like really liked it. And then oh, Mike yeah. Bloom came in and then it totally died. It got destroyed. Well, I think Cause that was story. in the transition phase, right? I think so. It was you was and Beth. That- yeah, was, you know, re- Beth, you know, Beth Ballou. Beth's been on the pod. Yeah, yeah. So I worked with Beth at Turner. Yeah. Well, you bring up, we're going to dive into the whole development of it all. Um, because 
I, and you know, cause you listen to the podcast, I love having development people on, which I don't do very often. Cause that's what I've been doing for such a long time. And it's sort of this unique, you know, hell, I guess, <laughs> but it's also really fun. And especially when it's working really well. And you guys are all having lots of success with your respective companies. Um, and Matt, you just brought up something which just made me think like it's another sort of unique to people in development, which is the whole transition thing. So you guys have all been at networks and then left and you've all been on the selling side where you have something that, I mean, this happened to me a million times. You have something that gets bought, you know, of course it's going to go to series for whatever reason. All of a sudden someone comes in because it's sitting around too long. They kill it yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. <clears throat> what is, is there a way to weather that storm in development where you can actually keep something that got sold in a previous regime? Uh, mm, I, I did it to that company. I have it too. A model employee. Wait, uh, so what's the story? Well, when I went to VH1, they had they set up model employee to uh, Sean Boyle. Sean went to Discovery Channel and Eli called me and he goes, hey, dude, if you if you like this project, can you champion it? All right. You know, because I, I know it's not yours uh, and and I get how that goes. It's it, if, it, if it is a big hit, people are going to think it's Sean's. And I was like, no, it's not, man. Like if like Sean brought it in, it was his smart move to bring it in. But I can help develop it with you and we can make something special. And uh, it ended up going to series. We ended up championing it and it went to series. It, it was Chrissy Teigen's first series. And that's, I guess, a good example of like, if you have the former person championing, you know, like trying to bridge that gap, it's a lot more helpful than them being like, see ya. Or, yeah, you yeah. know, a lot of times it's not up to them. Right. So it's like worse when someone all the way at the top leaves because the new person always has to make their mark. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that is a, some sort of sensibility with a lot of, uh, uh, you know, people that they want to be known that it, this is their show that they're, I never got that. I, I think most people don't though, which is good. So. I, I, I have a theory. My, I, I feel in this day and age, you have to, if you're a development executive, you have to do everything in your power to not sell it into development because the minute you sell it into development, it will feed your sales ego, right? You can tell your boss, I sold something. We, you know, maybe we got a little bit of money coming in or I, you know, we're building out our development slate, but you're on this ticking clock. It's not even like a deadline that's in the deal. You're on this ticking clock until somebody else comes in with something that's faster paced than yours. The development, you know, an executive that's championing it leaves the company or whatever it is. And I feel like the faster you can sell it straight to series, and, and there's a million and one ways to do that and a million and one ways that can go horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's the, that's like the answer. And it's not always the way that it's going to go. But I've always just found that everything that sells into a presentation, you, you almost have like a better chance of it possibly not moving forward than if you just took a big swing and maybe you get a straight to series. So I'm curious for all three of you, what is the best way to sell something straight to series? Dope sizzle. A-list talent. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say with a, a combination of both, right? It's just the full package. You just got to mm -hmm. have all the boxes checked so that they can't give you development if they're like, you know. A-list A -list talent on camera, not EPing. Also. Yeah, just uh, completely packaging it. So. I know it's hard though, right? It's, it's like, really hard. So Well, and also, did you miss the other, I mean, I agree with all of you, obviously, but also the other thing is multiple 
bidding, right? I mean, mm-hmm. a oh, bidding yeah. war will yeah. all, of, uh, all of a sudden change the game if it's like, well, we'd like to try that, div- you know, casting yeah. step. You know what makes me nervous? And tell me, guys, if you're feeling the same, you might not be. But I feel like the development process funded development, right? That was like a very cable model. That was like something that, you know, you would have offsites. Remember, we'd all do these yeah. offsites, right? Where you'd have all these things and you'd decide not, not even everything would even move forward. Um, and then when the streamers started getting up and running, Netflix in particular, they weren't really doing development. It was either like they either liked it or they didn't and they wanted to move or they didn't. Um, we were feeling this way a little bit with some of the new ones like Hulu and HBO Max. But now I'm starting to see the development pr- process rear its little head again on some of the streamers. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a lot of the you know traditional cable executives going over there. So they, that's what they know. And they know not everything probably should go straight to series. But, but I, I also know. think in terms of like an HBO Max, it was like there was no time to do development. You had to yeah. get content. Yeah. And You're so you right. had to love the idea. Yep. True that. What are you finding, Tom, like with the, the Discovery Plus and stuff like that? Or is that not really, I, I don't know. I wonder, I, I, are they doing lots of like- They love know, development or regular Discovery networks. Uh, Discovery, no, Discovery Plus is kind of, I, I, I mean, they're uh, obviously we have a, a lot of stuff going with them. They're great partners. I, I think they really want to- uh, you know, this is a big investment for them. And I think they, they're kind of looking there. It's feeling like it, you know, when, uh, Netflix kind of came out of the gate, like they're looking to take big swings. They're, uh, uh, they're, they're going faster. They're making decisions faster. Um, uh, we just had a call yesterday where the, the phrase leap of faith came up and, and nobody laughed. So, uh, so I think they're, they're being aggressive. They want to be players in the streaming world. So, I do get that, that feeling with them. It's, it's, uh, it's development where necessary, but like we need to get, you know, uh, content moving and get some good shows on, on the air. What are the buzzwords right now? Like in the last six months in development, when you were pitching, you know, they always change oh depending on premium yeah. was obviously huge forever. Like, are there oh, certain like, buzzwords that you're hearing right now that you, seem new? I, like I, I usually find that, um, I used to say a lot with somebody I used to work with that, you know, the um, development chain, it's like the weather in the Rocky mountains. Like it's like, it's just always, always, always changing. But post COVID we went through this cycle where right when COVID hit, all of us were like, Oh my God, how, like, what am I allowed to sell? What are these networkings allowed to buy? How am I even going to sell this? Um, and I feel like we all jumped by like all of us. I mean, every major production company out there, every development executive jumped on the same thing. We all figured out some game show format that you could play from home. We all figured out some celebrity doing something at their house, right? Whether it was cooking or like making, uh, you know, uh, an Ikea table or whatever it is. And I think truth be told, no one really wants to watch that. The, the, the best ones kind of rose to the top. I'm finding now guys, and I don't know if you're, feeling different. Like people still, it's like, it almost feels like it was, uh, 10 years ago where they are saying those words. We all used to say like buzzy loud, you know, uh, everyone's zigging. We want to zag. Uh, <laughs> we need to be noisy in the marketplace. How do we be? And I'm just, I roll my eyes every time. I think it's so lame. And I know what they're trying to say. I know it's like, but truth be told, um, at the end of the day, I think everybody wants this like aspirational, 
uh, buzzworthy content that's going to somehow trend online. That's like what it seems like. Everyone yeah. How do you get a meme for your show? And how do you get Buzzfeed to do like a quiz on which character you should be like uh, bling empire is getting right now, you know, bling mm-hmm. empire. Is that what it's called? Isn't that what it's called? Bling empire. I'm surprised you haven't watched it. B. I don't know. Where is it? On Netflix. Netflix. Oh my God. I'll check it out. Yeah. Michelle's like that that unscripted executive that doesn't watch reality. She Are you kidding me? Oh, she watches the most reality. I watch watch more. I just how I can't keep up. Yeah. I'm committed to the bachelor. What are you what are you what are you liking? Wait, what are you liking right now, B? The Bachelor. Matt is a great bachelor. Um Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I don't I feel like there's not a lot on right now. I uh what are you guys watching? I I was with you, Lisa. I'm loving the Tiger Woods doc. I'm not fully. Oh, done. I need to watch that. It's oh man, I, I'm loving it. Um, I'm a oh, and bi- people. I was just at dinner, and they were talking about Night Stalker. Oh, really? Yeah, loving it. That, mm-hmm. that was great. It was number one in America. Yeah, good job, yeah. Mazel Tov. Yeah. I I love Eliza. Have you watched um, History of Swear Words with Nick Cage? Well, I I hope Beth isn't listening because I haven't watched it yet, but I will. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so. Good. It's, I heard it's, it's good. Awesome. It's so great. Tom, what are you watching? Cobra Kai. Cobra yeah. Kai. So bad it's good. That's what it's, I said. It's amazing. It's not even bad. It's just the, the writers, I think it was great writing. They knew what they were doing. I love the story about how the guy, after he lost the fight, his life stopped. And so he doesn't even, anything that happened past that, that he has no idea it happened. Like he's just stuck in the 80s in 1984 or whatever. I mean, it's just genius. Where are, are you in season two? Are you in season two yet? Or are you, are you not? Season two, go for Not to brag, but I was at John Kreese's house two weeks ago. Oh, amazing. I'm working oh my with him God. on something. He's a really great really? guy. Yeah, I really like him. Oh my God. But anyway, back <laughs> to you guys. Right? Isn't that amazing, though, that like you can, for even Johnny Lawrence, like those guys, I, I don't I don't know, were they working that much in the last 25 years? Like now they're the It's a great renaissance. One. It is. John Kreese was working. It. He was in Expendables and like- He's, he's a working actor, but this is, yeah. this yeah. is, everything got elevated and he's very hot again. Yeah. And he showed me, he has this like, this amazing room. He let me take pictures so I can talk about it. And, <laughs> you know, it's like him with- uh, Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger and all these like, you know, um, Jerry Weintraub, just like he's been around the block for a long time. So it was, it was very cool. Wait, Alita, wait, yeah. I have a question for you. Cause, Uh-oh. cause you're, you're a student of the trade. <laughs> I have um, been hearing, I'm, I'm in development on a couple things and I'm hearing from that every new president is this renaissance of reality TV first. Like every time a new person comes into office, the shift changes in um, reality television. Like the the um, when came in was the rise of true crime for whatever it's worth. And Remember my rule about saying that. Oh man. yeah, we're not allowed to say his name. <laughs> I'll bleep it, I'll bleep it. <laughs> I don't bleep curse words, but I will bleep that. <laughs> but but, but um, something about uh, when Obama came in was when reality TV started getting a little bit nicer or it was like, you know, the, the, the more, you know, aspirational, inspirational stuff was, was kind of coming out. And previous to that, it was a little more mean spirited. Have you heard anything like that? That might just be somebody. No. And I mean, look, I don't think true crime's going away. I mean, I don't know what, how you guys feel, but I do want to ask you about Matt, you brought up trends 
Michelle and Tom, what other trends are you seeing or kind of like, are there specific buckets that you're chasing right now that, that, or is it more specific to your companies? Like obviously Tom Pilgrim's known for certain genre of, not always, but. I tend to say, I think 50% of our development is kind of what like anybody, if they think of Pilgrim, just like I thought of Pilgrim, it's in that sort of like, you know, middle American, uh, uh, salt of the earth heroes, that sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, we, we do have about 20% of our development right now is true crime, just because we could take that to eight different places. And then, uh, you know, I, we, we call it lead blocker development where we, if we sell something, we, we, uh, that we use that as our lead blocker and we tend to have something to come after it if it's a hit. So we had a physical competition series. So we have a couple of physical competition series that we're taking out, um, so, yeah, I mean, I, but in terms of buzzwords, one of the things I'm hearing a lot lately is, is returnable, uh, repeatable. There's, it, it seems to be an uh, emphasis in less arcing, um, uh, more repeatable, returnable. Um, and, uh, and yeah, kind of back to what Matt was saying is cutting through. It's, it's, it's buzzworthy. It's got to be bigger. The bar was set here. We got to go higher than the bar. We've got to, you know, that sort of thing. So the, the, I can, I, can I ask you this? Because. I have struggled. You, I, I agree with you, Lisa, that true crime's not really going anywhere. But like, I have struggled because I feel like all the main stories, the stories with like the print, the legend names, or there's archival, they were covered. They're all, all being done, or they've been done. And I'm starting to feel like we're running out of the meaningful cases that exist out there. And and it's not to say it's it's done forever, but I feel like. We're in this, I don't know. I found that now everyone's after true con. They, they don't want the dead body necessarily. They want the like next Firefest or the next McMillions or the next, you know, Billy McFarlane type or whatever. Do you, do Those you, are do my you... favorites. <laughs> <laughs> I the love cons. Can, the person can be in the chair and talk about it. You can't get yeah. the, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yep. Michelle, what yeah, are you that's, hearing? That's the other, by the way, not to cut Michelle off, but Matt brought up oh, a huge point that. is access. Like they, because... Uh, because of Tiger King, we are hearing, you know, uh, listen, Tiger King, had, uh, Tiger King had this treasure trove of, uh, of, of assets. And uh, we we're expecting that. Well, it's like, well, Tiger King was what filming over the span of like six years. You know, you're not going to get that in too many cases, but I'm hearing that like a lot too. Is like, it's got to have Tiger King level assets and footage and all that stuff. Yeah. Sorry, buyers. No, that's all good. Um, well, I think for, for me and, and for ITV Entertainment, the way ITV America is set up is we have these different development verticals. So Good Caper has a lock on true crime. Sirens Media is female skewing lifestyle. And for me, I do a lot of big broadcast and big streamer shows and service a lot of the international formats. So I think, you know, I'm not out on a regular basis pitching like Discovery and all those types of networks um, just because I don't typically make those types of shows. We definitely do have stuff that will fall in to everybody and we can take to market to everyone. But a lot of what we focus on is kind of more broad appealing formats. So since all three of you were on the network side, I'm curious for each of you, what's the biggest What's the biggest thing you learned being a network executive that you bring to your role as a development executive? Um, for me, it was, and these guys were on the network side way longer than I was. I was 
you know, it, I, we were getting something like 60 pitches a week and you have, you know, weekend reading and you, when you have to go through, it's probably what scripted execs have to go through a lot, reading lots of scripts. I was just noticing that the only projects that we were all discussing, I'm not saying they were all getting greenlit, but at least the ones warranting a discussion amongst the senior leaders were the ones that had a really funny piece of tape or a really different way they did a deck. And it didn't mean it was longer. It wasn't like, Oh, I gave a hundred pages. I was just noticing when I went back onto the production side, I was like, why are we like, we're, we're making these massive, massive amounts of materials that I don't even think people are wanting to read. Not because they're being dicks, not because they like, don't like us. They just don't have the time. There's just a volume of stuff out there. And your job is to try and make sure that yours gets discussed before the rest of theirs. And it just made me not necessarily working harder, just working smarter at how you're get capturing those executives' attentions. Yeah, I would, I, I think it's, you know, um, this is probably everybody knows this, but great tape because it's not that first pitch, it's the second pitch, it's the third pitch, it's the fourth pitch. I mean, I, I think people don't realize how much the network execs have to pitch internally. Like that's a, I, and I didn't know that. Um, you know, when I went over to VH1, it's, it's constantly pitching and it's pitching other people's ideas and you have to get really passionate about it. So I think you have to kind of in that tape on the development side, you have to capture that passion so that like, uh, you know, the, when it goes past the EVP and it's now it's in scheduling and research and everybody's looking at it, they can kind of see that as well. Um, and then, you know, two of the lesser known things is uh, speed. You know, like speed, and that's why I, I think it really helps to be at a bigger company, especially now. Is uh, I think buyers. Somebody mentioned it earlier. Um, is the networks can kind of lose interest, uh, and and you're bringing it up. You know, at VH1, we had a meeting with Jeff Old every. I think it was every Monday morning, and and uh, and then we had another creative meeting every Wednesday. And if you're just bringing up these projects, it kind of comes that just no, nothing happens. It kind of comes a joke, and people take it less seriously. So. Uh, that's one of the things that we try to do at Pilgrim is that we just like anytime that we do get a presentation of pilot or whatever, like it's, it's internally having legal go really quick. It's just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing because you want to just get that speed going to, to make sure that your project is seen and in the right offsite. And then last thing, and then I'll shut up, but um, I think getting to know the network, um, you know, I like every, the, if you're at the network, that's all you, that's all you know, right? You have to know the, the competition, obviously, but you know, you get to know the network intimately and your audience and your research department says, I'm sure buyers rumors is like every day is like, well, okay, so this, this show did really well. And, and this audience came in and we think it's because of these themes are resonating with, with the audience so that, um, and so anyways, we get to know our networks that we're at incredibly well. And when somebody goes in and they pitch you a show that you already have, or you did a few years ago, or they don't know one of your big shows on, on your lineup, you do tend to take it personally, even though you probably shouldn't because these guys are pitching 60 different places. But, uh, but it's always important it, it, before a pitch or before a general meeting with a new network to kind of just get the lay of the land, what worked, what didn't work, all that, just so you don't go in there. And it's like a disrespectful thing when you're not even trying to be. Do you, you know, you know, you know what I don't think we're ever going to get again, at least for a long time is, and I remember Tom, when you were a network exec and Jen O'Connell and Nick Emerson, and they sold Hollywood X's with no tape. And like, I think I wrote the one sheet, but it was like a one sheet, a nice fancy deck, but those, but those talent were in the room. When I sold Eric and Jesse 
it, we, we didn't do a sizzle. We just had them come in and you meet with them and you get you. you, you got I was business. just going to ask this, Matt. Can you can you sell? Because I, I was going to ask with celebrities, because I put something recently this past year with no tape, a deck and the celebrity on this. It didn't sell. It didn't, I mean, which is interesting. It didn't sell. That's yeah. that's I don't know if um, networks now are like designed for that way to sell unless you have the the, the top level person right. in the room, which you like, try to get. But you can't always do that. So that was Hollywood X's was because uh, obviously I was in the room when. Uh, WME brought it over to Shed, and then I went over to VH1. And so I fought for Jeff Old to be in the meeting. I was like, you got to hear this thing. Uh, and, and I got him in the room. But then there was eight people in that room, eight talent. And I so Hollywood Access was great because you had somebody like Jen O'Connell like reining them in because she was a total pro. But I, I've been in other... Uh, meetings at the network side with Jeff Old, you know, who was my boss at the time. Um, but uh, where it, it went so wrong and people were talking over each other and they couldn't really rein anybody. And it was a nightmare. And even though you, like, if you saw through, you're like, oh my God, these characters are crazy. The meeting was just such a shit show that all you want to do is get out of there. So it's, it's like a, a coin toss. It's like, this is going to go great. Like you really have to kind of practice and make sure that you're on the same uh, wavelength there. That's totally happened to me. So how often are you guys, I mean, you all have been in this business a while, you have relationships. How often are you soft pitching before you go full throttle? Or are you doing that? Or are you just I, like, I, I, I believe do. in this project, I'm going to go for it. It's the new Zoom world, right? Yeah. I well, do that. Yeah, that was my next I, question. But I don't, I don't, I do it. I don't soft pitch specific projects. I don't be yeah. like, Hey, like, would you ever happen to do a show with this celebrity where they're doing this? I, I don't do that. What I do a lot though is, Hey, um, are you guys looking for, I just did this with, with animal planet. We got this great pitch uh, of a animal rescuer that I really like. but I, but I honestly, I hadn't, I hadn't talked to animal planet in a little while. And I just said, are you guys open to doing animal rescue shows right now with great big personalities? Right. Things like that, where if they sell me, Hey, we're not looking for that right now. Like, great. I'm probably not going to get involved because there's probably nowhere else to bring that. So it's like very specific kind of things just to see if that's something you should be spending your time on. I don't, but let's I don't, say they say yes. Okay. So it's still, like you said, maybe it's just them, maybe like Netflix or something, uh, uh, you know, on a lark, but let's say they're like, actually, yeah, we just had a meeting and we're super into that. Do you put in the time and resources if it may only sell or be targeted to one place? Like, do you have a, it used to be the rule of three, right? You had to have at least three places. Like where, how do you guys decide what you're going to put your time? I mean, I know it's not always up to you, but. Tom mentioned it earlier, right? That's like, it's bigger. We all are lucky that we work at well-established large companies with teams where you can have, you know, you can, you can, you can get a piece of tape that might be on zoom. It might be on Skype, but you can get that done relatively quickly. If you're a one man band or you're an independent, it really, to me is like, it's passion. Do you love this project? Is this the project you want to dedicate the next year and a half and plus of your life? Then yeah, do it, you know, do it and, and make sure that it's right. If not, it's like, yeah, it's you're, you're investing in something where there's really only one shot to, to make it worth it. Tricky, right? Mm-hmm. Matt, you mentioned, um, you know, what happened to our world when COVID hit and it was, you know, crazy and everyone's kind of scrambling. And like you said, some of the cream rose to the top, like your Selena chef show, which just got a second season again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so every, you know, I don't know if you guys listened to my podcast with um, Jason Sarlanis at the, um, toward the beginning, it was like April, I think. And he, one of the things that he said um, stayed with me because he said he really missed 
sort of the dog and pony show and, and the pomp of the pitch, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that he, he, you know, really loved people coming in, linking up the computer, showing it on the big screen. Obviously, like development in many ways is kind of, you know, def- that's like what we do. Right. So how did you guys, well, first of all, like, how was it for you at the beginning? And then like, are you used to it now to the point where like, you don't want to schlep, you know, an hour or like five hours all around town to do your meetings where like now it's actually working on zoom. Like where, where will we be? Like once things really start to open up. Um, I, I think well, to- I'm going to toss to you buyers in a second. I, I will say this. And I remember, cause I listen to your podcast. I remember when Sarlana said that and I don't disagree, right? We all love energy in a room, right? We all love, uh, you know, making sure our presentation is buttoned up and make sure they laugh at the right times. And a lot of that is what we said, having a great piece of tape. I, I, I still have yet to see the world's greatest pitch, but the show wasn't that great it usually still dies on the vine at some point, right? Like you can still do the dog and pony, but if your show or your character's not strong or your sizzle's kind of busted or your format's not fully thought out, it, it may get past the point of like the creatives like it, but somehow I've just, I've always seen it die in legal and in, in top level. Like buyers, do you, do you agree? I like, I believe in the dog and pony, but I also think that that's not what's going to actually get your show to series. No, I think if the show's a good show, then it's going to sell either way. Definitely. But I think, oh no, um, I just think it was weird. It was very weird at first. And I was like, I, I never would have thought that our jobs would have sustained what happened. If you would have asked me a year ago, could your job sustain a complete shutdown of the world? I'd be like, of course not. We're probably the first ones to go. But the fact (laughs) that we have has been amazing. And it was weird at first, but once you got in the groove, I think it was great. I mean, no one's ever late. Your meeting always yeah. starts on time. Amazing. Which is two minutes. You're late. If you're yeah. late, it's weird now because you just pop yeah, into this little like a jerk. If you're land. Yeah, you feel super rude. Um, I also think that it's kind of just humanized everyone. Um, it's not like the production company coming into the big network. It's like we're all at home. We're all going through the same thing. And you'll be pitching a network president who's sitting in their car because their kids are doing school and there's nowhere quiet for them to be. So it's just yeah. really, I think, interesting. And um, I don't know, I've, I've kind of enjoyed it. I do miss the in-person stuff and the events and the lunches and all that kind of shit. But I don't miss driving to the Valley from Santa Monica at all. Yeah. I don't think, I, I mean, do you think when is the next time we're going to have to do that? I don't think that will happen this year. Cause I can't imagine the networks are, cause if you think about it, when you go pitch Netflix and when you're in that lobby, how intense it is and how many people are in there, right? Like shuffling through all day. Like I miss those snacks though. Yeah. yeah that I just nice. don't see anybody no. wanting to take that risk, you know, yeah. this year. I, happening. I, 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 I think, one thing that's been a struggle for me is when you go in the pitch and especially you'd said this, you, you when you're friends with them, it's fun. You get to yeah. catch up, you get to do small talk, you get to mm-hmm. do some bullshit. You get to, after the pitch, you can hang out with them for a bit. Yeah. You go in the lobby, you eat the snacks. Like it's fun. Um, no one really wants to be on zoom, right? Like nobody really does want to be on zoom. You want to sell your show. The network execs want to hear your show. They probably want to buy it if it's good, but like, 
it's all about, it's like completely minimized all the BS. Cause you're really just trying to be like, how do I get this done in 30 minutes? Mm-hmm. Right. Didn't Mark, Tom, didn't like Mark Burnett say, if you like, it takes you longer than 20 minutes. To it's like longer it. than 17 minutes. Then you, yeah, you, you, you're you're the show. You're yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. You're done. Um, yeah. I, I, um, what Jason was saying though, I, right when the pandemic hit, we were taking out, it was specifically with, with Discovery Channel, but we had Dodgeball, which was this big, intricate pitch. And uh, I remember our meeting was scheduled that Trump did the address on, or sorry, uh, Voldemort said, uh, it gave the address on Wednesday and the world kind of shut down by Friday. But um, Discovery Channel, the, the pitch was still for Wednesday. Remember there was that weird like week where yeah. people were like, yeah, hey, kind of coming in. And then like they kind of started dropping and Discovery finally dropped the pitch. And we were like, oh my God, like, Craig and I were like, this, you have to pitch this in the room. We can't do it because at first it was conference calls. It wasn't Zoom yet. And we're like, oh, we can't do this over the phone. Like there's so much, there's all this stuff happening. And so we actually pulled a page uh, that speaks directly to Jason. We pulled a page out of Brant Pendidic's book where when Brant used to pitch me um, uh, at VH1 and, and GN and Tribune, he would come in with his laptop um, uh, and and he would like scroll to a different sizzle reel and he was in the sizzle reel uh, that he would film at three ball. And I asked him about it, you know, w- when he came in, cause I was like, this is wild. Like, you know, you're, I heard that you're like the master of pitches, but you're not even pitching. You're just like playing yourself in a, in a pitch. And he's like, he said kind of what I said earlier. He's like, dude, it's all about the second pitch. And like, I'm better than the network executive at pitching my idea. Um, and so I'm going to put myself in it. And so Craig and I went to the studio uh, at Pilgrim and we did this whole theatrics for the pitch where I'm getting hit with dodgeball or Craig's getting hit with dodgeballs and we have like effects and we had animation and we sent it over. It took us like two weeks and we sent it over just to Nancy Daniels, to, to, to everybody, Scott and Joe. And, and we're like, here's the pitch. Like, we're not going to do a conference call. This is the pitch. And, uh, but th- those were the kind of the early days. Now, I, I actually, I, Matt and I were talking about this uh, uh, when we were in Laguna. Like, you know, there's certain benefits about uh, uh, about the Zoom pitches is that, like, you don't screw up as much because you can have your notes <laughs> just yeah. to the left here. Yeah. Um, so, I, I like, before the pitch, I'm like, oh, here's my talking points. Uh, I'm going to throw here. I'll throw here. And and they just go much quicker, much sure. smoother. And it's it's... It is kind of nice, you know, it's like, even when we go back to the office, it's like, yeah. I'm sure we'll still be pitching from Zoom now. The, 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 the energy is different though. And I will say that, you know, you know, you have a good pitch when people are laughing at your jokes and when they're asking lots of questions and they're, you know, it's just a warm room. And the and, dog barking. Yeah. But now it's like, even, even if you are having a good pitch, a lot of people, they don't like want to turn their cameras on, which is totally fine. Right. And, and so you don't know how they're reacting. Right. Oh, yeah. on Have, I haven't had that happen. Have you? I have. I, I hate oh, it. Oh, I haven't I at all. <laughs> it's so. Really? So have you, do you guys like, what's the protocol? Are you showing the sizzle like during the meeting? Are you sending it ahead? I don't. Oh, I send it ahead. There's a whole science to this. There's a so science. What's your do you not want to give it away? Yeah. I wonder if we, I wonder if we all do the same thing. We probably, cause it, ours is, has advanced, but Matt, you go, we have perfected first. ours. Now, Matt, share Matt. your secret. Yeah. I have to go first. You guys are going to use me. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. I, I, I make sure my internet is as shitty as possible. <laughs> make sure that I share a sizzle where they, it's like jumpy. So they can't really tell what it is. 
and uh, and I forget all of my lines and pitch the wrong show. That's, that's my, I'm kidding. Uh, so I, I have found that the best way of doing it is if you, you, you got to have a, like a sizzle nowadays is, is, is more important than ever, just because if you're not in the room or your talent can't be in the room, like you just have to have, it's everything Tom said, uh, you should send it ahead of time, but not too far ahead of time. Mm-hmm. You don't want them watching it the night before you want them watching it, like in the zone, got to send it ahead of time. You got to have your intro, have them watch the tape, walk through your show and then get the F out. Ours, uh, so what we did, so at first we did the send two hours ahead and then nobody watched. Too hard. And then we, uh, and then we, on the meeting, we we're like, don't worry, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll play it for you. And then it was just horrible. Audio was terrible. So yes. what we do now is, is, and we, I literally did this today, um, on a pitch, uh, was we say, Hey, so were you guys able to check out the tape? And, and, and honestly, probably 50, 50, it's a no, right. It's like, uh, and then if they do say no, we just say, Hey, listen, we're going to email it to you right now. I, uh, I, why don't you guys close off your screens, give it a watch, come back on when you're done. And we'll, it, cause it's, it's, so we, we've found that that is the best way. And honestly, that's, uh, uh we had this big project, uh, true crime project with a bunch of uh, partners who are fantastic. And, uh, we did that on one of the pitches and they came back and they're like, Hey, can we do that every time? Like, cause they just seem to be really energized after they watch the tape immediately. So, uh, so that's one thing that we've been doing is just like, we just send it on the pitch so they can watch on their own computers. Quality's good. And then we come back. Yeah. That's sort of like the, the cove or like the zoom equivalent of pitching in the room really. Cause otherwise yeah. the equivalent, right. And the, in the room is like when you're sitting there awkwardly when they're watching it and you're just like looking and you're trying well, not the, to like show them that you're looking at them to see the reactions. And it's well, like, I guess the, the first thing you know, a lot of people were doing, at least we were was share screen, you know, and you play yeah. and that is the, Doesn't work. That's deadly. Yeah. 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 Sorry, buyers. Um, wait, 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 buyers. Yeah. What? Do you have a different sauce or is yours? No, based? I mean, we did the same thing in the beginning. We tried to do the like screen share, play the sizzle. And we're like, this is horrible for everyone. Um, and then I typically send it. If the pitch is early in the morning, then I definitely send it the day before because everyone's super busy. They're all back to back. You want to give them time. My other lesson was like, always CC the assistant on the email because they're going to flag it for their Mm. boss. Because Mm. if I don't put the assistant on it, most of the time they don't watch it. If the assistant's on it, they most of the time they do watch it. Um, And you can always side email the assistant like, hey, just making sure, but you can't do that to the executive. But I think it's, it's, everyone's gotten so used to that like kind of protocol because we're all kind of doing the same thing. But Tommy, I also put it in the Zoom chat if they haven't watched it because it's instantaneous. Yeah. Um, you guys, wanna yeah, hear, what you, you want to hear a horror story? Yeah, uh, this, <laughs> didn't, what? this didn't happen to uh, us, but it was a friend that we know at another company in the early days. They effed up and they made they had two back to back pitches at two uh, like rival networks, and the assistant screwed up and made this one Zoom link, and the pitch went long. So oh. basically, they were on with like NBC mm-hmm. and then. Rob, like ABC shows up during the, isn't that amazing? But is that also kind of great? Like that's sort (laughs) of like when you are passing the people and they see, you know what I mean? Like, oh, well they're, you know, it's that, like you always want what you can't have and rival. I don't know. That seems like kind of a good mistake. um, Don't you have, when they watch it on their screen, you have everyone go cameras down, right? So that it's not awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So has Uh, COVID also changed the kind of content that you guys are developing or do you feel like, I, I know early on it was totally different, but are we at a yeah. point now, 10 months later where you're like, 
that show is not producible this year, so we're not even going to bother. Or you just like, we'll figure it out and mm. anything's possible. Because obviously unscripted, you can do a lot more than you can with mm. scripted. I, I think like- anything is possible. And there's been a lot of workarounds that people have figured out. I mean, even just watching game shows, there's no audience, but the sound design makes you feel like they're there. And I don't entirely miss seeing an audience. Maybe some people do, but I think that everyone's done a really great job. Um, But yeah, I think you take, I think there's a couple, there's some stuff that I had in development that would require gathering of people and that's just not something that I think people can kind of wrap their head around just yet. But I don't think it's a show where we have to wait till the pandemic is quote unquote done, but more of a place where people feel like, okay, like things are starting to pick up. People are out and about. And it's just, it's, you don't want to be tone deaf. You don't want to take something out that, you know, is completely kind of in left field right now. So you want to be being cognizant of the world we're living in for sure. Do you you think you can sell a Bourdain show right now? I just mean like travel show, like worldwide one person and a crew going to different countries eating. It's just hard. Things are getting green lit like that every day. I know someone working on a show like that right now and they just are getting triply tight, you know, that where they go, they got to go through protocols, but I was shocked. I was like, Oh, they're going to cancel that. They're going to cancel that. And they, they didn't. Yeah. Wow. I, I will say, um, how do I say this? Uh, what I have found difficult in the last month in particular, but really like, I don't know, in, in the last year has been challenging is things come up in the world and then you have to go pitch your show mm-hmm. and it's hard. Right. I, I, I like, I took all my pitches off the first two weeks I was yeah. doing it for, I didn't obviously I had no idea about what was going to happen with the Capitol, but I find those are the worst times to pitch, especially even when you're pitching a lighthearted show, it makes it feel trivial. And, and it just makes feel like they're just looking at CNN or they're looking at their phones and you could be having the world's greatest pitch, but it's just, it's falling on deaf ears. Mm-hmm. Have you guys had that? Do you guys feel that way or? Well, yeah, yeah. I just feel like you don't want to, you don't want to yeah. pitch when the Capitol's basically burning down because that's all you're thinking about. So how can you expect someone else to be engaged when shit's hitting the fan? Yeah. Unless it's relevant to your pitch and you're using yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I think even if you brought that out, yeah. Matt, like a company like <laughs> yours, like IPC, that's having so much success this year, like that even feels weird to brag on because it's like, you know, there's so many people out of work and yeah. people are dead and, you know, everything's a mess. And it's like, oh, we're having our best year ever. I, I don't know if you are, but you're having a great I, year. So Matt, I think uh, that's awkward, too. Matt does. IPC does unbelievable tape. Thank I, you. Crazy. Thank you. I've seen some of your sizzle. Not your. It's buddy. really good. Yeah. Really yeah. great. Yeah. Right. And look, you have a calling card. Fire. I mean, IPC as a, as a calling card, um, you know, for that sort of premium stuff that. You know, yeah. I think you already have a buy-in before you even put a, you know, a tape in. Sure. No, no, no. I, and I, and I don't think, um, I don't mean, um, it's just, you know, our job is to do a really good pitch and make sure that they're all excited about it. It's hard to do that when there's shitty things happening that day. Right. Or when yeah. there's things that it's, it's what, what I found to be harder guys is when you're in the room with somebody, um, hold your quibby jokes aside. But when you're, in, when you're in the room with somebody, there you have their attention. They're looking at you in the eye. They're watching the screen on Zoom. You just don't know. They their yeah. kids can be in the background yeah. doing 
stuff. And it's just harder, I think, sometimes to know, do I have your full attention? Are you paying attention? Are you with me? Is now a good time? Do you want to do this tomorrow? Like, it's just, that's mm-hmm. what I've, my own anxieties clearly coming up. Yeah. Okay. So Tom has boldly announced that he will be attending virtual real screen this year. I honestly didn't know that. that... I got an email. Yeah, he, I, did. I, got like a, I got a mass email that Tom Huffington will be there. <laughs> right? Oh yeah. Wow. He's, he's come out and he's announced it. So yeah. I look this year, like it's not really worth talking about. Cause I don't know what that will look like, but I do want to spend a minute or two on real screen because you know, I have my own feelings about it that I'll, I'll leave out of the conversation, but what do you guys, you know, I've been doing again, I've been doing this a while. What do you, what do you think? Like, can you sell a show at real screen? Is it worth it? Is it anything, or is it just a real fun networking opportunity? Like where are we now in 2021 COVID aside on real screen? Well, I think I'm a real screen novice. I only went twice. The first time I went, I was only there for like 36 hours. And then the second time was my first year at ITV. So it was a little bit more of a learning curve because I had only been at the company for like two and a half months or something. But um, the first time you went, you were on the network side. The first time I went, I was on the network I mean, side. Completely and different I, experience. Oh. Totally different. I mean, and I that had, would be that yeah. would be the thing. It's a shit show, <laughs> right? Yeah, it was so draining because it was just back to back to back to back for ten hours or something, and then partying at night. <laughs> that was um, that was the exhausting part. Uh, yeah, uh, but but buyers, don't you think that because when what I learned was, hey, when you're a network exec and you're going to real screen, someone's paying for it. Right. And so you kind of have to buy one thing. You don't have to buy a ton of stuff. But like if you come back from real screen and you don't have any business, it's, it's a little bit of like, why did you go to real screen? I felt like when I went as a network exec, we had to get one thing at least so that it, we could we could justify our, it. justify yeah you could justify yeah. the 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 reasoning but i think well when i was at turner i remember the like the first year all the execs went and then the second year like they really didn't buy anything and so one person went and then i think when the regime change happened then it was like oh we're going to send everybody to like we're all here we're all we're a united front and then I left. So I don't know what happened after that. Tom, wait, are you pitching Tom at real screen this week? Like, are you like, are you, no, but seriously, I, I'm not going, I don't, I'm not attending meetings. Are you doing it? Is it, is it, or how is it working? I honestly, I, I, I didn't even know that it was. Do you know that there's not a difference. I took you seriously. I, I actually thought you were serious. That's funny. No, I, I had no idea. Wait, is there a real screen? There is this yeah. week. We want oh. a real screen. We want, dude, we want a coveted real screen award. You What'd guys. you win? Free Meek. Free Meek. I have an amazing free. series. Oh. I think I, I compliment you on that. Yeah. Uh, everyone needs to, that was on one of my lists at one of my podcasts. It's on uh, Hulu, it, right? Uh, it was on uh, Amazon. Amazon. Amazon, sorry. What what I think though is real screen for us, all four of us, right? It's important for all of us to get together and party and have a good time and hang out. And like, you know, when else are we ever going to be able to do that? And it was really fun. I thought when it made the shift to New Orleans from Mm -hmm. from, uh, DC, it felt energized and it was just, I don't know, it makes us feel like we're part of a community. What I feel like we, none of us really I don't know what, what I've seen less is the actual business, like pitching your actual hard worked on shows in real screen feels like kind of a waste. Now, Aliza, you'll have a POV on this because I actually think 
There's people that don't work at massive production companies that have all these relationships. That's easy for them to just go get in a room and pitch a show. And maybe that gives them an outlet to do it, especially when you're a production company, not based in LA or New York. And it's back in the day, you couldn't just go set a meeting and go and, you know, you'd have to do it over the phone or whatever. I did think it was important then. I felt like a lot of networks in the latter half of real screen were starting to just not meet with the usual 20 production companies that do 90% of the business in this town. Right? And there were like, a few years in there when they were like, not, they were setting, they were reaching out to us to take meetings before real screen. Like then it became like, we yeah. don't want to meet at real screen. Can you come yeah. to the city, you know, two weeks before? And I'm like, sure. Well, that was like real screen West. It's like, Oh, I'm just going to put right. up at the, at the Huntley. Yeah. I love the Huntley. At the penthouse. Oh, yeah. I miss that, uh, that restaurant up there. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. All right, guys, I want to end on a lightning round. Um, oh. so prepare yourselves. I know I'm throwing this on you. You're not prepared. So we're just going to go for it. All right. So we'll go, we'll go counterclockwise. We'll do Michelle, Tom, Matt on the first one. Favorite show you've ever pitched, worst show you've ever pitched. Favorite show I've ever pitched. God, I've only been pitching for a year and a half. <laughs> yeah. So she's only pitched like one show. Yeah. I've only pitched like one show. Favorite pitch you've ever gotten. Favorite pitch I ever got. Worst pitch um, my favorite pitch I ever got, and I don't remember the entire thing, but it was lighthearted. And they brought these, like, I think it was a dating show. And they brought little characters, like little, they were like either Lego people or something. And they oh, used yeah. them in the pitch. And it was just so cute and fun. I just loved it. And I'm sorry. Was it that Are become, You the One? I was just going to ask. That I can't, no, it wasn't Are You The One. Okay. It was much later. but and oh, I, I know what it was. It was, it was exactly. dating was it the naked one dating naked? I think I've heard this story. No, I don't know. No, I don't remember what it was. And I feel bad that I don't remember, but it was like three years ago. That would have made I, sense with the Legos though. I see. Yeah. But going. they had these little toys. I could ask Rob. I'm <laughs> naked sure Legos. Yeah. So what was the worst pitch you ever got as a network exec? You don't have to say the company, but we prefer it. Probably from me. <laughs> um. <laughs> Only if it was from Matt, we want to know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I... I don't, I, I like, I don't know. It's just, it's like, it's so there's not any celebrities so that many, like bomb the pitch. Um, <laughs> no. And if they did, I wouldn't say, I know I was just trying there. <laughs> I, I remember a pitch when certain, they were drunk and I, I could smell the alcohol on them, but it was fine. Uh, Best way to pitch. No, I just think, you know, mops. And for those Everybody. who don't know what a mop is, it's a most, most often, often pitched. pitched. Right. Um, and I think we're probably all guilty of mops, you know. Listen, <laughs> sometimes mops sell. I, you never know. Sometimes see, mops sell. I still see mops sell all the time. Right? Yeah. You're like, what? Yeah. Recently, too, by the way. Oh, it's just, crazy. Like, I wish I would have known this question in advance because I, I like, feel like I need to rack my archives it's in okay. my brain. We're going to go to Tom. Tom, worst, best and worst show you've ever pitched? I best show I Shanfield was at basketball wise was just so much fun. Cause it was like, yeah. I, you know, it was a, an, an idea that we had and then we went out, uh, you know, there, there was a lot of thought behind it. And it was one of those like projects that I think all of us have had where there's a lot of momentum and energy and you're go, every pitch was good. And we got multiple offers and like, that was definitely like a high where you, you run on for a bit and, 
Yeah. That, didn't you talk to Noah Pollock? Were you on Noah's podcast talking about that with Sean Rankin? Or my, yes, the, yeah, yeah Sean that's, people should check favorite. that out. So I love hearing, I love kind of hearing like the whole net, like house of stuff, the Genesis. I mean, it, we, yeah, it, it was just, it was so much fun. It was, uh, you know, we had multiple offers. We ended up going with CW network and then we, then it went to, it found its really? way. I forgot that oh, part yeah. of it. Hmm. And then yeah, what's the worst show you see. ever pitched? Your most shameful moment. <laughs> I, the worst. I, you know what's for, you know what's funny for me the my favorite wait Tom didn't though, answer oh, the sorry, worst Tom, one I don't want him oh, off the hook on this one <laughs> the, the worst show uh, or like in retrospect I, I you're like I can, no, that was kind you, of embarrassing you right now I can tell you 100 percent right now my, yeah because Shanefield and I were in some bad ones <laughs> no I can tell you because Tom would sell these shows he would he sold the like animal planet because we because tom was getting a lot of success on basketball wives and shed was doing housewives in new york and so tom sells fisherman wives to animal planet <laughs> is that and for I real? Had to go out, yeah i had to go out to sitka alaska with a bunch of people it turns out like they, they, like not all of them were real wives and they their husbands weren't they real fishermen. that's that's I, I lost that show just fyi it was a good show um, yeah. But no, I think the worst, worst pitch ever uh, was to Elliot Goldberg. And he doesn't remember this, but Elliot was at TV Land. And Alex Dimonyenko and I, Alex was with us at Shed. We went in and pitched a project with Eric Estrada. And the project, like, it was one of the ones where uh, uh, we were the small talk. Have you guys ever been in a pitch where the small talk consumes the entire pitch? And it goes down to these like other lines and then you start judging each other. So it happened in that where some small talk was brought up. Eric went down a dark corner. Elliot just hated all of us after a while. And, and then by the end of the pitch, we were, <laughs> I remember Alex um, and like, it got so off the rails and Alex is like, okay, so the show is basically Eric is going to dress up like a cop. He's going to pull people over. And when he pulls people over, he's going to quiz them for money. And then Elliot was I've like, heard this before. I've heard this before. Did you tell this story somewhere? Where have I heard that story? No, but that's I, somebody else probably told uh, uh, like either me, Alex or Elliot. Yeah, I've uh, heard maybe told, Elliot told me the story. That's that's really but, funny. But I think Matt, after I left Shed, I think Matt sold it to True TV, maybe. Road maybe Wage. that's where I heard yeah. it. Yeah, Road Wage. We did. We did. <laughs> we did. Me and Ted Smith. And we did there a pilot. Go. Hey, forward. got a pilot. Matt, what's your favorite show you've ever sold? My favorite shows, um, it's funny, like my, the, the shows I've had the most success on, like, you know, uh, the shows that I'm like, oh my God, I've gotten all these straight to series offers on and I, you know, you feel good. They're definitely, um, they feel good, but I don't know if they're like my favorite, like by look back on my fondest memories are the like ones that didn't move forward or the ones that I'm like, Oh, that was such a fun pitch, but like nobody really saw it. I don't know. I think that's just me. And it's actually kind of a, a weird memory to have. No, to Tom. We, I, like, always, every, we always say that, like, you can't lose your darlings, you know, like, yeah. like when yeah. Tom brought up that kid tape, I was like, God, that was such a good tape. Damn it. Like I would forgotten okay. about it, but there's definitely ones I, I don't like, I'll never get over. I remember Tom, like, I remember you and I pitching, um, this like prank couple remember that uh they, they were like a couple that like would matt always DeMar? together no it wasn't matt demar it was like a, it was like a couple that always would prank oh, a younger each couple yeah. yeah and we almost uh and we almost like sold it to vh1 but it didn't move forward i remember buyers remember you and i had to go do um apples to apples with michael davies do you remember oh that oh my when god we were, yeah it was 
I remember yeah. that. Like none of these well, things. And I re- yeah. And then like way back in the day when we did, wasn't all three of us, we were in the pitch tape for Shark Tank. Oh yeah. Yeah. We all did Shark Tank together. Uh, I oh, that's, that's my favorite yeah, show. We had to do, uh, uh, we had to do the uh, run through, all three of us for Shark Tank, the network run through. ABC ordered a pilot, Corey Henson actually. Yeah. Um, and the original pitch meeting. And they then we had to do a run through proof of concept and they chose uh, me, Sadu Kim, and was it one other, I forget who the other, the third guy was. was it, it wasn't CJ, was it? We no, chose it you to be the sharks or chose you to be the pitchers? We were the sharks. I was a pitcher. I was a pitcher too. Oh that sounds yeah. like yeah. so much fun. I love they it. Had to pitch to us. And then I, as a joke to Michelle, uh, her ex-boyfriend was a rock star. And I wrote down a bunch of lyrics from his old songs and uh, used all of them in my response to Michelle. And she ended up yelling at me and walking out of the room. It probably sold the show because they're like, oh my God, there's fireworks. <laughs> I love it. All right. So who's your guys? Let's, I know there's many, but who's your favorite network executive to pitch to? Oof. Um, and no, I'm not going to ask you your least favorite, even though I'd love to know. Um, oh, I love Rebecca Quinn so much at HBO Max. I just love She's her. She's great. <laughs> She's great. Well, I also knew her from when I was at Turner. She started, we probably, we sat across from each other for, it might've even been like an entire year that we sat across from each other. I just, she's just always so lovely. And she was a producer for so long that she asked just very thoughtful questions and is, um, I don't know. I just, she's always just so engaged and so lovely. I just, I just love having meetings with her. Mine is, and you guys are all friends with her and I just, I, I like her energy is it, it always like delivers one of some of my best pitches is Lauren Solinsky. She always like is engaging. She always asks lots of questions. She looks you in the eye. I always like feel good after pitching. Is she, at e? is she still at E? She's at YouTube. She's at YouTube. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. Tom. Oh God. I don't know. That's such a hard question. I, it is maybe hard. It's, it's, I, it, it's funny just today. Cause I, uh, you know, we, we had this pitch today and, and uh, my team who was on the pitch were, was like, God, that guy is just such a good dude. Um, and cause you, you know, when you go in with a lot of talent and there's like a lot of, you know, uh, moving parts, you just, and you just want, even if you don't believe in the pitch, really, you just want somebody to, to like be thoughtful and to kind of know that to be great with the talent. And, yeah. uh, and today it was, it was Nat at Netflix um, we pitched him and, 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 and it totally could have gone wrong, but now he's just such a nice guy. He, uh, he was thoughtful, great, great responses. He knew the talent, uh, brought up specific you know moments with the talent and made everybody feel comfortable. I think that's all you want because, uh, you know, pitching uh, being, all of us have been on the other side. It really is like a vulnerable, uh, intense, uh, uh, uh you know, stressful situation. And people put a lot of time months into these years. <laughs> and in the worst response, and I think a lot of us, I've, you know, um, Matt and Michelle were all like incredibly close friends. And actually, when I saw this being rivals, the first thing I texted them was, I was like, we're not rivals. We all give each other information. But we've, we always text each other when we have a bad pitch. And, uh, you know, there's other people that don't, they give you the opposite. And they're just quiet. And, you know, they don't really get in. There's, that's all you want is just like everybody needs to become, even if you know, as a network exec, you don't like the idea, this will never work. 
you, you never know what they're going to bring in next. So you want to be nice and engaging and, and get them to come back with something even better. That's going to be a hit show for you. And I think that's what we look for in network executives. And, uh, but there's definitely a few people where you pitch them and you're like, they give you nothing. Uh, they're kind of, you know, rude and short and stuff. And you're just like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> give me something, give me something. Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah. are, those are rough ones. And I'm glad you brought that up about team of rivals. Cause I kind of said it kiddingly, but you know, look, I mean, you're all um, good competitors. I mean, you all, you know, work for successful production companies. You're all out there hustling, trying to sell your wares. Um, do you feel competitive with one another or is it really yeah, just like. We're, we're the, uh, I, I think we're the LeBron James age, not the Michael Jordan age where you know, Michael Jordan was, you, you hated everybody. And LeBron now is like, I'm friends with everybody. I mean, you know, Eli Holtzman, Aaron, at Matt's company, we're, we're, we've been close friends. We've done series together. David Eilenberg, obviously, and Adam Schneider, David George. Yeah. We've done series together. David George and Adam are fantastic. David and I did a, George and I did a show at WG in America. He did for nothing. Uh, so I think all of us are just close friends. Uh, I get excited whenever they have a new show come out. Uh, we all support it. We show each other some of our, our reels that have sold. Uh, I mean, it's a very collaborative, and I think it just makes us stronger. So it's, I think it's a new sort of generation. Or it's like, hey, do you know X? I've never met. Look, for me, since I'm technically, a, I'm still, I would say a newbie. It's only been a year and a half. There's there's plenty of people I still haven't pitched. There's a lot of executives at Netflix I've never met. <laughs> a lot of you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about, um, what about the, the, for each of you, and I know, I got, uh, Michelle, this may not apply yet, um, but is there... I wanted to know what the, what's the show you've had the most bids on? Like what's been the hottest show that you've ever sold? You know, you, I, you, um, do, do you guys know the answer? It's none of our shows. Like we haven't worked on it, but the show in our history thus far that has the most straight to series offers. I'm curious if you guys can guess it. In your guys' history? That IPC? In, in, oh. No, not an IPC. This is, this is allegedly, now no one's really keeping track on this. In reality television history, there is one show that has seven or eight straight to series offers, uh, which has yeah. never really happened. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen now Did with you the way. Nope. No, nope. I, I do this know, know this. Is this it is the Chris Lee knows best? Is it Chris Lee knows best? Chris Lee knows best. Oh, that's right. I passed on it at VH1. Such Turner a passed on it too. Such a jackass. Actually, or did we put an offer in? I don't remember. They probably did. They probably put in a, a like a ten thousand dollar present. Yeah, casting. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's just still going, cast. right? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Had seven he, offers? He's gonna get his own like vertical on Peacock. <laughs> that's <laughs> a lot of offers. What's the most? Well, okay. Let's let's rephrase it then. What's the most offers you had on the project? I've the most the most I've ever had personally was, and I can't say the show. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, but it was five. Uh, oh, I know what it is too. Uh, I can't, I can't, I can't. It is. Yeah, I know it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't confirm or deny. Wait, I need to know. Um, Tom, did you have a lot um, of, you know, you know, when we did, um, Cyrus versus Cyrus, that got a lot of, that got, that got a couple straight to series, uh, offers. That was the, that was, I mean, that was asylum, right? Yep. Tom, yeah. did basketball wives have a lot of like I forget? Did that have did. a lot of offers? Yeah, we yeah we totally did. We got um I yeah several like uh I I think four four or five or something like that. Um, 
It was like, but it was weird, right? Remember Tom, it was like CW with like they bought the show and then started making the show, but then they dropped out and then VH1 came in, right? There was yes, a whole thing. Got, uh, uh, offers, you know, I, I, I guess I, 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 we got offers, but they, were, they weren't all straight for series, straight series, I should add. Um, but yeah, so we, the straight to series, we got eight episode offer from CW. Uh, VH1, I think only offered a pilot original or, or maybe they went up to three episodes. Uh, the old uh, SoapNet, um, offered. I love <laughs> SoapNet. I almost uh, sold a show there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 there was, so we had, we had a bunch on those, but, um, but it was, you know, a lot of pilots and stuff like that. So I, I, yeah, I don't know how many, cause even Shark Tank, we, nobody, everybody passed on that. I mean, it was just a pilot by ABC. Oh my God. I love that show so much. It's that's my, so that's good. my favorite show. All right. Last question. What's your, what the best celebrity you've, you've ever brought in a room for a pitch? Who just like Ooh. killed it? Ooh. Um, best celebrity ever brought into a room. We're all thinking about what we're allowed to say and what we're <laughs> not. Say. We're all like thinking of is that celebrity going to be listening to this and then get mad that that we we're. I like, hope so. I mean, not that they're mad. I hope they're listening. <laughs> Clearly, Tom's is Eric Estrada. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Was he in the room? Oh yeah, he was amazing. Did he you bring the motorcycle, off. like the whole thing? New York with us, and we awesome. go. Like he invited people to come up to him. Like he was, he loves the celebrity. Oh, I know mine, but but the show didn't sell. But he was the best. He was the greatest talent ever. He was so great. It was Bobby Moynihan? You guys know Bobby Moynihan? Yeah. I love him. He's on Mr. Mayor now. He's so funny. Bobby Moynihan from SNL. He's on that show, Mr. Mayor. Oh my god, the best, the most fun I've had pitching with somebody. Yeah, so let comedians make. Really yeah. fun. Pitch, pitch is really fun. Yeah. Um, all right. So anything you guys want to add before we wrap up? Yeah, we have questions for you. Oh, God. <laughs> That's, part That's part two. That's part two. Can we just ask these and you can tell us pass or, or, or not? Sure. These are, these are curated questions that we've all. Oh, emailed. my God. Yeah. Now I'm okay. on the spot. You ready? Okay. Based off your intel, where do most people listen to your podcasts? I'm a, I'm a kitchen guy while I'm doing dishes, but oh, you meant actual physical location. Yeah, I thought you meant like Spotify or no, no, uh, I don't well, know. the car, the car was the big one, you know, forever until COVID hit. And now it's like cleaning the kitchen. Yeah. Now it's like cleaning kitchen. the kitchen or walking the dog. That's when kitchen. I listen to my podcast. Yeah. Who has been the person you've been trying to lock down for the longest time and won't respond to your emails? Um, I don't, my thing, just so you know, like I don't, I don't pursue, like if, if someone ghosts me, which is rare, but when we stop recording, I'll, I'll tell you somebody in particular yes. that you'll find interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't, in fact, I think I may have followed up with this person one more time. Cause I was like, you know, look, we all forget that we get emails and stuff. You know what I mean? Um, I, like rarely will I try more than once in that case. And then, uh, but if somebody uh, doesn't want to do it, I don't want them to do it. Or if they're like, well, I'm not sure. I'm like, don't do, please don't do it. Like if you're going to be uncomfortable, like you're not going to be a good guest. Um, who's my dream guest though. So I'll put it out there. Cause you won't be yeah. surprised now is Mark Cuban. I mean, he'll never do it, but yeah. like, he's the person I most want to talk to. Like I would vote for him for president That's tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. So he's my, he's my white whale. Okay. Um, my, speaking of which, uh, my biggest pet peeve 
and, and buyers knows this well, cause she knows lots of executives. I complained to her about, uh, the non-responders, the, you oh, don't, the girl, don't yeah. even like you, I mean, please, you don't want to get me started on that. And the worst though, right? Like you don't, you don't, they don't, they don't email you back. They don't call you back. And it's the, and I, and I totally get it. We're, we're, we're all busy. There's lots going on. Organizations are real thing, especially when you're not in an office. But at that to me is the, the, those are the people that's like, to me, that's worse than somebody that doesn't react well on your pitch or doesn't give you a good pitch for me. Yeah, I know. I hate when people just don't pass. Like just, <laughs> just pass. Just I pass. love. In fact, you know what I love more than like a pass two weeks later is a pass in the room. Like let just, just let me down. Let me. Down. I can do it. I can. I, I've been yeah. rejected yeah. a million times. This is not new. Hard to, it's hard mm-hmm. to do that though because they don't know if their boss is going to like it or not. Like that's that's. <laughs> right. but, but, but I think Unless that's my pass on Shark Tank. <laughs> Unless it's way off. You're right. <laughs> Right, um, anything else? Am I off the hook? Yeah. Now? Yeah. No, we do. Hold on. Um, <laughs> God. Okay. What's your highest rated episode? Like who's your, who's Luan your crown? De La Seps. Oh, that's oh. amazing. Yeah. Like, um, like so many, like tripled my, my average. Wow. Or quadru- I may have quadrupled my first one. My second one was terrible. She was like eating lunch, talking to her son. It's funny. Like if you're a house size fan, you'll get a kid. But I got a lot of feedback. Like she was so rude. You know, why didn't she, you know, and it was that she set the time. I was like, I could talk anytime, you know? And also like, it was right when the protests happened for Black Lives Matter. I was like, in a, to your point earlier, like I wasn't in a great headspace. So to talk about like yeah. her making, you know, salmon in the Hamptons just felt like super weird. So it was just like, I have to be in the right mood sometimes. And I blame myself most of the times when an interview doesn't seem good to me. It's usually my fault. She is, uh, by the way, Matt and I did Housewives New York at yeah. Shed and we used to meet with all of them. And I remember when Luanne came in, I was just like, this woman is gorgeous. Like she's gorgeous and not like a millimeter of body fat. The first time I met her was years ago and she opened her door in a bikini and uh, she was, you know, she was in her late forties by that point. I was like, yeah. oh my God, like not an ounce of cellulite, like genetically blessed, genetically yeah. blessed. It's, it's, I just can't believe it. I was like, oh my God. All I get a kick out of her. I get a kick out of her. Um. Have you had anyone on your podcast who's now excommunicated from the business and you had to like remove their, their episode from the seat? <laughs> oh, oh, that's so funny. I had a falling out with another podcaster who I've had on, but, Ooh. um, wait, no did I apology. ever have her on? I was on her. No, 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 She's not. She's like more in the like housewives world. I actually may not have had her on. I was on her podcast a bunch of times. I don't, I think, I don't remember actually if I had her on, but we don't speak. I would never remove a podcast unless it was like toxic or something, but I, I don't think I've ever had to take, um, a podcast down. Well, I do have one funny story. It's not about that, but about like, a um, which I can, I can share now. Yeah. I can share this now. Cause it, it's kind of funny and, and the fans will appreciate mm-hmm. it. I don't think I've told this before. So, uh, and I'll need to check with her to make sure I can keep this in. But when Damla, Damla did my podcast, um, it was when she was at E and the, and it's funny because I was at a studio, the E publicist was there Uh, you know, whatever the NBC publicist. So it wasn't like we were doing it like this, you know, they were there listening to everything. At this point it was when, um, what's her face? Kylie was pregnant, but hadn't announced it yet. But everyone was like, the internet was buzzing that she was pregnant. And I just, I didn't even do this purposely, but I was just like, yeah. So like, how shocked were you when you found out Kylie was pregnant? Yeah. And she was like shocked beyond belief. Like we just acted like it was, or I wasn't trying to trick her. I was just like, we know it. And then she didn't even catch it. Then the publicist didn't catch it. And then it drops. I drop it at midnight and I get this. I wake up at like, you know, 6 a.m. I get this panicked email like, oh, my God, 
people like I, I can't see that it's not out. And so it was like really easy to fix. But at that point, because the East Coast, a lot of people already downloaded or listened to it in the morning. This was so crazy. Like someone on Twitter had screenshot. This has never happened to me ever with any podcast except this one. They it was either Facebook or Twitter. Someone had screenshotted the audio of it. And they're like, she's removed it. But here's the executive confirming that, you know, what's her face? Kylie's pregnant. Yeah, Kylie's pregnant. I'm like, this is so funny that like someone <laughs> took the time you know, because I was like, done, no one's even going to notice. But of course I can take it out. Meanwhile, someone had already like captured the audio and was posting it. So and then she was so cute. She sent me like the most beautiful flower arrangement. It was couldn't have been easier to do on my end. I was like, you do not need me to send me flowers. But she's a class act. Love it. Did you know all of our PR departments know you by name? Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, they like it. <laughs> I know. ITVs was like, oh, we know Elisa. Oh, that's good. <laughs> you know, I still want to have Dave Eilenberg on. I, he, I love him. He's amazing. Best. I mean, he's listen, all roads, all of your roads clearly lead yeah. back to him and so yeah. many others, but he's, he's probably the like, boss. I was going to say like, he's probably like, I feel like he and Eli Lair are up there with like, just like everybody just loves them. Like there's just some yeah. people that like, yeah. you just, I've never heard a bad word about. And there's very few of those people in the business, but like, I would say those two, like are the first ones that come to mind, which just or Jen, Jen O'Connell, um, are just like, you know, have the best reputations. Mm-hmm. Are we done? <laughs> Are we done? Yeah. Oh, 9.30? 10.30 yeah. for me. Uh, this is so, oh, right. Wow. Yeah, this is like. Be, I bet, guys, you know how we said who's the highest rated? I bet you will be the lowest rated podcast. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be like the least. It's going to be like nine people that listen to this. One will be Islandberg and one will be Domla. And uh, yeah. yeah, that's it. No, no, we'll get a lot of, it's actually good when it's multiple people because the tentacles, if you share it, which you better, then oh, it's yeah. like, oh my God, you know, da, da, da. All right. So we're, we're done. This is so great. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for doing this. And Matt's awesome recommendation to get the gang together for this is a great idea. And I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.